Merry Christmas, church. Before I step into the pulpit, let me stand to the side to say this. On behalf of uh, Josh, myself, and Quinn, each of those handwritten notes that you wrote for us, so incredibly meaningful. Thank you for that. Um, I'll be writing thank you letters for the next 12 months in response to that. The sweet gift to be with you tomorrow is Christmas morning. If you would, open with me to Luke chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verse 8 through 22. This is God's Word, kindly addressing us this morning. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, They made it known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Anyone who has lived long enough knows the pain and the social blunder of being overdressed or underdressed for an event. We've all been there before, whether it be visiting a church for the first time, going to an office Christmas party, walking into a meeting with one of your clients for that important proposal, or maybe it's going out on a first date. It's awkward and it's embarrassing because we all take it as a personal statement regarding our lack of self-awareness. It's awkward. 
How did I not see this coming? Everyone is dressed so casual. I can't believe that I didn't put two and two together. For guys, you know, it's easy enough. We can take off the tie. I can lose the jacket. Problem solved. Hopefully no one saw me overdressed. But what's worse than overdressing for an event is being underdressed. Being underdressed for an event, I can't knit a tie in my car before that important meeting. I can't fabricate a suit before the dinner party. I can't, you know, make a tuxedo before the symphony performance. You don't want to be that guy wearing a polo shirt to prom. When you step into those spaces, the reason why we can recall these events is because they're, they're embarrassing. It's an embarrassment in the, in the shame that we feel in those moments. How you're dressed to the party gives a visual representation of how you feel on the inside. You feel less significant. You feel small. You feel out of place. And so what we're looking at this morning is a story of a couple guys who are underdressed for a very large announcement, (laughs) to say the least. Yet we find that the glorious message of Christmas is divinely, divinely intended for misfits, underdressed persons in need of the grace of God. Not underdressed physically, but spiritually. That what is displayed physically in this story points to the need humanity has and has had since the fall of man. Since Genesis 3, mankind has always been underdressed before the Creator. Mankind's problem is that because of our sin, we are spiritually underdressed for right standing before God. And so maybe you're here this morning, and though you're not physically underdressed, you feel out of place being in church this morning. You would describe yourself as several things, but Christian wouldn't be one of them. For some, this is your first time to church. or Maybe this is your first time to church in a while. I hope you feel welcomed here at Kingsway Community Church. There's no doubt in my mind that this morning in our midst, we have persons who are overwhelmingly aware of their shortcomings before God, that they feel out of place in church and maybe even the pursuit of religion altogether, that what's happening this morning, it's for some persons, but not for me. I've done too much and I have, I have no means to meet the dress code of Kingsway Community Church and of what the gospel of Jesus Christ offers. But here's the hope for all of us, dead in our sins and underdressed before God. The hope of this morning is the Christmas message. It's the good news that the angels delivered to these lowly shepherds. The good news of Christmas is this. If there's anything that you take away, it is this. That salvation is made possible through the coming of Christ. And this gospel is offered to those who do not deserve it. Salvation is made possible through the coming of Jesus Christ. And this gospel is offered to those who do not deserve it. And we're going to see it in four short points. The audience of this message. The messengers of this message. The contents 
of this message and the proper response to this message. So let's look at point one, the audience of this message. Let's look at the audience of this angelic message of Christ's birth. If you read Matthew's gospel, you get to see that the angels appeared to wise men. Wise men get get a, a special message. You also get to see that Mary and Joseph get a special message. But here in Luke 2, verse 8 and 9, we see that a message is delivered to shepherds working in a field at night. All right? I want you to remove all that Christmas nostalgia, and I want you to think about that. I want you to think about, well, don't think about it too much. That was, that, that was something. Um, shepherds, shepherds working in a field at night. Okay, so think about shepherds. It's not like a, they're not like looked down upon, but they're not exactly heads of state either. A shepherd is, you know, like a, like a farmer of sorts, similar to a farmer. They smelled like sheep, what we learned last week. They might have chewing tobacco. They, they, they need a bath. They're, they're blue-collar workers in a field trying to provide for their families. But not only were they shepherds, and not only did we see in this scene that they are in their vocation, they're working. It's not like they are shepherds and then they dressed up nice for the occasion. No, they are shepherds working in the field with a bunch of sheep, and it is nighttime. They are working at night. So think about this. If you were the Lord God and you were going to announce to the world the good news of salvation, that the Messiah has come, how would you announce it? How would you announce it? I think, I think that if you want to communicate, if you want to give this announcement, you would have to communicate it in a way that would first meet the most people. You got you to gotta get that news out. So How can I tell as many people as possible about this? And then also you need to do it in an authoritative way, all right? So a lot of people in an authoritative way. So if we were going to announce it today, let's put on our thinking caps. Maybe we'd go and we'd try to get the Super Bowl halftime show or a Taylor Swift concert. Taylor Swift might be the better option. You'd reach a lot of people doing that. But the problem is, is that that's not really an authoritative medium to give a, a message, maybe Taylor Swift, but, but you'd probably want to pick another place, like the State of the Union address in the United States. You, you want some pomp and circumstance. You want people wearing suits. You want people ready for long-form speech. I'm ready to take notes. I'm ready to say, hear, hear, and amen. So maybe that's a better place to do it. You need to make sure that you announce it during peak hours of media to make sure that you hit all the time zones for the audience that you need to hit. You want to make sure everybody's listening to this good news. When I was in sales, I used to sit in a cubicle farm and make calls all day. Um, and my managers were dead set. You got to call people. The, the, the numbers are in. The data shows. You got to call people on Tuesdays at like 2.13 p.m. If, you're, if, if you want them to answer the phone, that, that is the best time. If I catch you getting a coffee break at 2.13, you're in trouble. You should be making a call because people are going to pick up their phones and listen to the message that you have. So if the announcement of Jesus is in fact the good news of the Messiah coming to save his people, wouldn't it make sense 
Wouldn't it make sense that this announcement would be at the Jerusalem temple or in Rome, at the heart of the empire? Rather than God announcing it to millions of people, to religious leaders and heads of state, He announces it to shepherds. And rather than announcing it at Rome or downtown Jerusalem, God announces it in a field filled with sheep. Rather than God announcing it at lunchtime when the markets are ready and bustling, or on the weekend when everyone's out, He announces it at night. As J.C. Rao puts it, to shepherds. To shepherds, not to priests and rulers. To shepherds, not to scribes and Pharisees. An angel appeared proclaiming unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Why is this the case? Why is it that Luke is, what is Luke telling us about the good news and who it's for? The shepherds represent the everyday, regular person. The significance of these details is that the wonder of the Christmas message is a message that is not overdressed for any audience, no matter how spiritually underdressed you may be. Simply put, the Christmas message is for anyone who has ears to hear it. Your sin, your sin, regardless of the havoc it has done in your life and to your soul, regardless of how dark your night is, your sin does not disqualify you from the same good news that the message delivered by angels was given to shepherds. Your need for a Savior makes you the intended audience of the Christmas message. Your need for a Savior. Are you getting that? You tracking the good news? Your need for a Savior makes you the divinely intended audience for this good news. So having looked at the shepherds and seeing how each and every one of us is the intended audience of this message, let's look to the messengers of this message and the manner in which this message was communicated. So too, the messenger of this message. Remember how I said it's important to pick a medium to communicate that, that communicates authority, not just numbers, but authority? So you wouldn't want to communicate a serious message on SNL. Wouldn't be the best place to do it. Saturday Night Live, good for jokes, not for a serious message. You would need to say something with authority, maybe in like the Wall Street Journal, or, or maybe, again, the State of the Union. So how is this message communicated? Again, remove Christmas nostalgia. We see the shepherds. How is it communicated? An angel. An angel! Through an angel. So a- angels, like, from, from this point on in Luke's gospel, from chapter 2, to the end of the book, you know how many more times angels, angels come up? One more time. At the tomb of Christ Jesus. One more time. So angels aren't just like paper boys. Hey, there's, I got some good news for you. They're, that's not what they're doing. They're heralds of important announcements. And in the Old Testament, they came in important times to announce really important things. So when an angel shows up, it's, it's no small thing. An angel appeared to Mary and Joseph. That was pretty big news for Mary. Think about how angels appeared to 
the patriarchs. Think about Abraham and to, to Joshua. And, and here they are appearing to no-name shepherds. When do we get these guys' names? And furthermore, these shepherds, they don't, even, they don't get one angel. They get a multitude of angels. These guys get a message and a sing-along and a multitude of angels. So we have an authoritative message from God to its intended audience, which is the everyday, spiritual, needy man. My friend, this morning, this authoritative message from God of good news is delivered to you through God's divinely inspired words. Better than angels. We have God's word in front of us. The message of salvation. I hope you hear me this morning. This good news is not just for the person on your left and on your right. This message is for each of you. Don't push that off. It's good news if you would have ears to hear it. So what is the news? What is the contents of this news? Let's look at point three. The content of this message. Look with me at verse 10 and 11. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, the shepherds were fearful. And it's important to understand why they're fearful. All right? So if, you saw, if I saw an angel, I'd be screaming. I mean, like that, 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 that's a, it's supernatural, yes. But I also want you to pick up that, that the text describes the glory of God being present among them. And so this was creature feeling the divine transcendent perfections of the creator. So it's not just, hey, he scared you. It, it, is, it is supernatural, but it also speaks to the lowly state of each of us, each one of us as shepherds. Deep down in our consciences, we all know that we stand condemned by our own merit before God. Yet, look what this angel says. I love this. This, again, is the Christmas message. The Christmas message isn't good news if you don't realize where, the state that you're currently in. That angel says, fear not. Fear not. The most repeated imperative in the Bible. The Christmas message is intended for spiritually needy and broken people. It is delivered inerrantly from the mouth of God, and its contents is good news of exceeding joy for all people. No one here is excluded. From that good news. But what is the substance of the good news? Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The reason why we do not need to fear, but rather be filled with exceeding joy, is that there is a Savior who is the promised Messiah and the Lord God. He is born in Bethlehem. The salvation that we desperately need from our sin is provided for in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The sin that mankind required, the sin of mankind requires man to pay that debt. But given that it was an offense against God, that's a God-sized problem. For God to be just, he has to do just things. For God to be perfect, he must act as a perfect being. We don't get to wave our finger 
and define what love is as the creature to the creator. God would be less than perfect if he turned a blind eye to our shortcomings. You, if you're offended by that, I, I, I want to challenge you, you should be more offended at the idea of a creator that's not perfect. I want to challenge that. If you think, well, the reason why I, I'm not a Christian is because that's not love. That's not a God I want to serve. What God would you want to serve? Because when I look at my checklist of what capital G God means, it means perfect. And I know when I look at myself, in moments by the grace of God, I can see my sin. I know I don't measure up. And the, problem, the solution is not to go, well, I'm, I'm good and God, you need to get down to me. No, we need, we need the Lord's help and the Lord's grace if we are to be saved. Fear not. Fear not. The Lord has made a way. Look with me, look with me at verse 14, this, this song. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. This is the meaning of Christ's coming. God gets the glory, and we get peace with God. God gets the glory, and we get peace with God. But how, Caleb, how can, how can God receive glory and we get peace? Given the state of our souls, how can God receive glory where we're standing, nevertheless, in good standing before God? I, I'm all about it, love glory, I love some peace, but I know myself. I know I've sinned. I'm one of those shepherds. Because Jesus came to die for sin so that we might have eternal life, peace with God. Christ was born so that he might die. Jerry Bridges says it like this, God treated Christ as we deserve to be treated, so that he might treat us as Christ deserved to be treated. Christ's birth started the clock for his death. He was born to die and die so that God would receive the glory through the salvation of sinners. The second person of the Trinity took on flesh, born as a baby boy in Bethlehem to do these two things through his substitutionary work on the cross. He would die to reveal God's glorious character, his promises to save a people in his mighty hand of salvation. And he would die to display the love of God for his people, the path of peace for all persons who would turn and believe. Glory, peace. Friend, if you sit condemned of your sin this morning, if you sit condemned of your sin this morning, fear not, there is a way. There is a way, but it requires a response. Sitting here is not going to save you. Dressing up is not going to save you. Reading your Bible every once in a while is not going to save you. Your mom and dad's faith isn't going to save you. Dealing with your soul before God and recognizing Christ as Lord is the only way. So let's look at the proper response to this message. 
So shepherds were in the field. The angel appeared, delivered this wonderful message. Then a multitude of angels appeared. They sang a song that summarizes the meaning of Christmas. What happens next? What happens next? They respond first by going in haste to Jesus. What this looked like, I have absolutely no idea. Like, I'm no shepherd, but I mean, like, do you leave the sheep there? I mean, your whole job was to care for the sheep, so you had to have taken them with you. So you're running in haste with 500 sheep. You go to this inn. This innkeeper just denied Mary and Joseph, hey, there's no room. This guy comes in, hey, I got 500 sheep looking for a baby. What in the world? I just told those people, no, they're outside. There's a party outside the inn, larger than the, who knows, who knows? The shepherds heard the message and they responded. I think that's the first point of application for us. They responded. The Christmas message demands a response. There's no Oh, that's so nice. I love this message. It's like hot cocoa in my heart. Got to hear some pastors, hang out with some Christians, and I'm going to go open some presents. And oh my, let's read, let's, let's sing a carol together, and then I'll forget about this until next year. The gospel demands a response, and you are responding. There is a response. Your heart is given into a response in this moment. There's no neutral. There is responding in submission, or there is denying it. One leads to peace, eternal peace with God. And the other one, you don't get to hear what the angels, the fear not is here. Fear and no peace is here. And that is heavy. But our God is just. And I want you to hear me. If, you st- if your heart is being moved right now, don't get angry at God. How could he do that? How could he require this? He requires, but he has given us everything he requires. In the coming of baby Jesus, who was born to die on a cross, that's how much God cares about making a path of peace for anyone who is fearful of their eternal state before God. Look with me at verse 15. They respond because, note no, no, why, they, why they are there in Bethlehem, what they're probably telling the innkeeper. Why, why are you guys here with 500 sheep? Well, which the Lord has made known to us. They're responding to the grace of God. The shepherds describe the message of salvation and the reason for their proper response as being from the Lord. It is a grace of God to hear the message of salvation and a grace of God to respond to the message of salvation. If you feel prodded in your heart to respond this morning to the good news of salvation, I have good news for you. That is God at work in your heart. That is God Almighty, the Lord of the universe, working in your heart. Don't ignore it. Look and be beholden to it. What is the proper response to the divinely inspired and authoritative message delivered to you this morning of the good news of salvation from sin and salvation in God in Christ? Verse 18 through 20. That is the response. Look with me. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up 
all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen as it had been told them. The proper response of the revelation of Jesus Christ is to be beholden to it, to treasure it, to value it. For those who have grown cold in the faith, for those that are here for the first time in a long time, church isn't your thing, Easter and Christmas are, you're cold. If I, if I was to sit down, we had coffee for a couple hours, you'd say, you know, that, that's me. I don't know if Jesus is really my thing. I don't make it my thing. I'm a Christian. I'll put the bumper sticker on my car. But as far as my life, you'll never hear me talking about the Lord. I don't read my Bible. I don't go to church. I don't hang out with his people. I don't, I don't ponder God. I'm just going through the motions. The message of Christmas should be like dried firewood to hot coals. It should ignite the love of God and worship for what he's done for you in Christ. Just like the shepherds. It is grace to hear and it is grace to respond. I'm not asking you to get on a bike, a standstill bike, and just pedal it until Jesus warms your heart up. To hear the gospel and respond to it is all of grace. It's all of grace. And you are called to respond. Don't let tomorrow pass. Because tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of glamour. There's going to be a lot of lights. There's going to be a lot of presence. There's going to be a lot of distractions. And you know what's going to be the last thing on your mind? What that dude preached Sunday morning. Reckon with God's word this morning. Don't let tomorrow go by. And for those that do not follow the Lord, who don't submit to God, who live under, who don't live under the rule of God, who haven't turned from their sins and placed faith in Jesus, your proper response is that you would place that you would turn from your sins. Place faith in Jesus Christ and fear no more. That you would have peace and enjoy that peace. A, a, a greater peace than what tomorrow will have. Congratulations, you get a Yeti cooler. Your soul's lost. You know what's better than that? Jesus Christ. Peace for all eternity to enjoy God forever. The fear that your sin rightfully creates speaks to a future completely removed from the grace of God. The story of Christmas and this message the angels gave to the shepherds, yes, again, it speaks to the requirements, but it speaks to how God has provided for all that he requires. The greatest gift of Christmas is right standing before God, greater than your family being together, greater than money that you have in the bank, greater than being loved on earth is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You know, this overdressed Christmas message, it didn't match the audience of the shepherds. There's also another person it didn't match. I don't know if you picked that up. The Lord Jesus Christ. Born in a manger. Outside of an inn. Our Messiah the Lord of the universe took on the form of man, came as a babe wrapped in cloth, placed in a manger, slept outside of an inn, underdressed for the state he deserved. But for the glory set before him, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. God came, God in Christ identified with his people so that we might be dressed in his righteousness. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. And this joyous message of salvation is for all who have ears to hear. For every person in this room, we are all shepherds. Every one of us. Every one of us is a shepherd. Underdressed for this glorious message. But I hope you hear me when I say that you are the intended audience of this wonderful, wonderful message. Christ died for sinners. And let me go one step further. He died for sinners because sinners can't save themselves. You have no hope of saving yourself. There is no result at the end of life if you choose to deny Christ where you pass go and collect $200. There's not one scenario where that becomes your future. You need a Savior. Christ must be your salvation, or you have no salvation at all. There's not multiple ways. There is one way. It is the Lord Jesus. It is what these angels, this multitude of angels came, said, sung. See your need this morning. See God's rich provision in Christ. Repent of your sins and trust King Jesus for all of life. Because salvation is made possible through the coming of Christ. And this gospel is delivered to those who do not deserve it. As you wake up tomorrow and you see your Christmas tree dressed, all kinds of ordinance, a bunch of presents underneath it. And you look to your kitchen table and you see that table dressed with food in abundance. I want you to recall this text where Christ Jesus came dressed as a babe, to pay for your sins one day, to die so that you might live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful good news that we can give you glory for the peace that you've secured for us in Jesus Christ on the cross. I pray for everyone here that it is a joyous occasion tomorrow recounting your grace and provision. Lord, fill our hearts with gratitude. Help us to respond properly by treasuring and pondering and praising and glorifying your name for all the wondrous things that you have done. Not us, you have done. Lord, we're just lowly shepherds in a field minding our own business, not looking for you, and out of nowhere you have come and displayed your glories to us. If you didn't do that, if your spirit didn't quicken our hearts, Lord, we would still be in that field, in our nights. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for those here that do not know you, who are in those fields, who are in a night, lost, dark, fearful, that you would, by your Spirit, move in their hearts, move in their hearts to see the glories of Christ, to see your love displayed, to see peace, and to, and to trade fear for peace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.